Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 41st episode, I'll be joined by Chicago artist Brian Kapernakis, who's also an Illinois native. Now, Brian does a number of painting and sculpture works and sometimes installation. So we'll be talking about how he weaves all these different materials into talking about folklore and mythology. So it's, of course, very interesting. And once again, if you haven't heard of us before, you can go to studiobreak.com, visit the blog, see all the artists that we have up there with in-depth interviews. Once again, you can find the links for iTunes there, so you can easily subscribe. And once again, notice that under the blog entries, we do have a share feature. So if you'd like to go ahead and share it on Facebook or in Twitter, that would be very helpful, so please go ahead and do that. And once again, if you do subscribe in iTunes, please leave us some feedback so we can get some more attention, some more listeners, some more people that go, hey, that looks interesting, a lot of good reviews. So please go ahead and do that. All right, here is Brian Kapernakis. Stay tuned. All right, everyone, we're here with Brian Kapernakis, and you, of course, are listening to Studio Break. How are you doing this evening, Brian? I'm doing good, thanks. It's, it's, it's great to have you finally uh, set up and ready. You know, we've been talking about this for, it seems like, months now, but we finally yeah. got it set aside, so I'm excited to have you on. Yeah, it's glad to be here. Well, you know, it gets old for anybody. Well, it's not old, you know. It's just the way that we do it. So I always like to start out with the beginning because, to be honest, I don't know anything about you in the sense that I don't know where you're from or any of your background. Um, so could you just talk to us a little bit about where you grew up and, um, you know, maybe some some of those experiences you had growing up and, you know, maybe any any early uh, interests that you can think of that maybe relates to something that you do now. I don't know. Or maybe something that doesn't. Sure. Um, well, I started from a secret sect. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I'd like that. <laughs> um, no, actually, I'm uh, I'm homegrown right here in, in Illinois. So I um, grew up just outside of Chicago. Um, did uh, a couple stints at the School of the University of Chicago. Got my undergrad there, graduate. I was in and out of school there for, I think, maybe once or twice just because the tuition got really ridiculous back then. It was ridiculous, like back in the 90s. Um, so I took some time off. Um, and at one point, I uh, was sort of ambivalent. I mean, at that time, the tuition was like $10,000 a year for, for me to go to school there. My parents didn't have the money. And I finished my first year, and I thought, well, we can't go back because um, of the tuition hikes, whatever it was, as they still are. So I ended up um, taking some time off, like I think two years, and got a studio with a friend of mine. And we just started it out, see how things worked out, see if we could do it for ourselves, see if it was something we really wanted to do. I was at this time, I was 18, and so I, um, it, was, it was awesome. We loved it. Got some cash together, got old enough so I could pay, start paying off my own loan sort of thing, and I went back to school, finished my school up in 1999. And then I took some other couple couple years off from that as well because I needed to, uh, you know, pay some bills, get, get some real-life experiences, I guess you call it. And then I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago, and I graduated. I started there in 2002 and graduated in 2004. So um, that's my educational background. <laughs> well, so what What about the, uh, the young Mr. Kapernakis then? Um, were you were you like a kid that was always involved in the arts and 
I don't know, one of the one of the craft things, or were you like Bob Jones riding around on a, a skateboard? Or <laughs> uh, no, I was a BMX dude. I wasn't even skateboards were not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. Um, interestingly enough, talking about Bob Jones, um, uh, when I graduated from high school, this is in '88, I um, was sort of ambivalent about what I wanted to do. I actually had a background in some vocational training and drafting, some mechanical drafting. Back in those days, you actually used a pencil and paper. And um, so I did that, and I did wasn't sure about it. Went to junior college and was not really involved at all with wanting a degree in this. And so I decided to just work, do odd jobs around town sort of thing, janitorial work, um, farm work, whatever I could get. And then I decided to take a night class at Wabonsi Community College, actually. And... Um, then I, um, I discovered a great teacher, um, Steve Sherrill, that both me and Bob Jones sort of share in common. And he um, really sort of really made it possible for me to be aware of what the world of art could potentially be for me. And from there on out, I just took it very seriously and um, wanted to be an art star like everybody else at that age. <laughs> well, and so what did you gravitate towards early on then, I guess, in terms of when you started um, getting more serious about it? Lots of assemblage, lots of material exploration, assemblage materials. Um, again, I came from a farming, uh, actually a defunct farm, so it was, um, it was my grandfather's that we inherited, and I had this entire farm um, acreage to my disposal with including barns and sheds and materials that I could just have all this access materials to. And um, that became part of um, a lot of the work. And at that time, I was looking at Jasper Johns and Rauschenberg, and I figured, why well, try to paint a, a wheel when you can actually stick one on a canvas? And I had plenty of those in the barn to dig up. So it seemed perfect. <laughs> and so, I mean, but but in terms of then, I mean, I mean, did you kind of go through all of the you know, the rigmarole of, of the traditional kind of studio approaches. You've got a ton of work up on your website, which, again, I obviously encourage everyone to go check out is uh, com. But, um, you know, when you kind of look over this work, one of, the, one of the things that, you know, that I see anyways is that there's also a level of some representation within the abstraction. And so I'm just kind of curious then, was there, was there ever a period of time then when you kind of focused solely on that, or was it always then just kind of, you know, you learn different kind of tools and, and different techniques in the classes, but then it was something that just wound up feeding into, um, you know, that, that way of making that, you, that you've been kind of uh, exploring in terms of these materials and kind of combining them and, and playing around with that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because I, uh, you know, when I, when I was sort of investigating the early stages of that stuff, the materials were so readily available that they became sort of they became grounded in a representation and and also in conjunction to the fact that there were a sense of place a sense of um who i was where i was coming from and then when i got into the arts too and i started to, to gravitate much more towards abstraction i think um it just was an interesting area to get into and excuse me specifically painting and um it was a time where I was a very liberating experience for me. I did a lot of the, you know, the studio-based stuff um, in vocational, or excuse me, in junior college, and then really hitting it hard in, of course, undergrad. Um, not a lot of figure drawing stuff, though, not a lot of that stuff. I was really into studio-based programs, printmaking, doing all those things. 
And then it was my, it was during my time of hiatus, I think, between grad school and undergrad, that I started to sort of reinvestigate those the moments of of sort of what I consider to be sort of the, the local. And, and uh, um, this is something that I sort of carried on in grad school, where I started looking at the super local, sort of the things that were either right like right across from the wall in my studio, because my studio was my lifetime, like everybody's studio in undergrad, and um, that was something that was became subject for me. And so I started to play around with this this ideas, these notions between representation and abstraction, in a way that not 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 in the way that I did back in undergrad with abstraction, but in a way in which I could approach abstraction in a way that was much more um, I guess process oriented, um, but still keeping with the image representational background too as well. Sure, and, and I mean, um, could you kind of give us an idea, maybe? Um... Well, I guess I guess specifically with this kind of period of time where you kind of felt like you got more into that mode then, and are, are we t- we're talking about uh, a time off between undergrad and then uh, and then taking time off and then going back to graduate school? Yeah, it's in between between the two between undergrad and grad school. Um, that was I, you know I I was in the gallery Peter Miller Gallery at the time, and it was. Uh, I was trying out a lot of different things. Um, I think, you know, the reason why we go back to grad school is because you're sort of insecure about where you're at sometimes. At least you hope you're not completely figuring it out at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I was really doing a lot of um, crazy things with sculptures and um, sort of Klaus Oldenburg sort of things where abstraction representation and these forms started to play around each other and very playful activities, but I, I wasn't feeling like I was taking it too seriously. So I don't think it really, it didn't really solidify until I was in grad school, this notion of representation and abstraction. When you look over the work, you know, you've, you've, you're using, um, you know, images to kind of relate things to um, almost like a, like a suburban cultural reference to me in some of them, you know, whether it be, you know, um, referencing snow shovels or you know, uh, barbecue grills or, or things like that. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious, was it always something that you were dealing with in terms of subject? Mm-hmm. Um, like the snow shovel, for example, that was something I was, I was interested in just because everybody in Chicago was using snow shovels to demarcate their, you know, amongst everything else, their parking spots. And um, it was also a time where um, I, was, I was really interested in sort of the banality of a lot of these objects and the quietness of these objects, the stillness of what these things had as as an image. Um, and I also wanted to have a subject that there was no question at all about what what it what it does, what it did, and what it's doing. For me, that was sort of um, very, very important. I wanted to sort of zero the, the playing field and make these objects take real strong precedent in work. But, um, yeah, you know, they do have that. I mean, I grew up, I grew in and around Chicago, you know, like I said, all my life. So I became really sort of invested in that ideas of, I guess, you know, these, I I like the idea of like a farm and surrealism coming together or just like, or a fairground, um, fairground art and, and things like that, that that people, you know, take very, very seriously in, you know, in these regions. And um, I I just think that's just as much as, a fair game, no pun intended, that is anything else. And so, you know, when you, you, when you grew up around these things, they become your part of your cachet. Sure, sure. Well, and I, and I think, you know, anyone that, 
you know, lives in a, a place where they, at least, I don't know, I think maybe everyone probably thinks they live in a place where there's nothing going on, yeah. <laughs> you know, re- regardless of where they're at. But, you know, there's, um, you know, there's a, it seems like there's that genuine interest then and in just kind of, um, I don't know, coming across something like an object or um, an image or, or a location or something where you're kind of um, slowing down to kind of take notice of it. Mm-hmm. And and I guess, are there particular things then that you choose then? Or, I mean, is it something that is set off by like any, say, formal qualities or mm-hmm. um, conceptual qualities even? Um, in some regards, there is. Uh, like, for example, like when I was doing the... Um, the Wagon Wheel series, I did a couple of those pieces, and something I've been sort of interested in reinvestigating back into an image that's sort of similar to yourself. I don't do that very often. But in those cases, material sort of informed the subject. I, I knew I had this wood, and I knew I wanted to do this tondo painting, and I really liked this idea of, again, the sort of um, the wheel, this wagon wheel, something that was really prevalent in everybody's driveways, um, the, the farm country. Um, and so there's that notion, but there's also like the snow shovel was something that was inherently important to me in that it was a, it was a form that of course you know was connected to art history of Duchamp, and yet it was still connected to something that you know I had to do and still do shovel up the driveway or something like that. So I had these you know I was putting Duchamp back to work in a weird way for myself, but it also in that particular uh, painting, um, it also has references to um, Greek heritage, where there is there's like these bits and pieces of um, cypress trees that are involved. So it was um, some of it's really, really, really integrated into my um, very personal dialogue, of my own work for sure. And some of it, um, some of it is formal. Like I said, um, there's another painting I did years ago. Um, it was a shelf painting, and that I really like this idea of a vacant shelf. It just because of its format, its relative format to the, the the scale of the canvas being rectangular, it makes more sense. But the fact that it became this a shelf in the studio that I was replicating um, to to you know exact purposes. And so yeah, you know it, it's this weird mix between subject and formal and personal. Yeah, and you know it it, it strikes me when I start looking at some of these um, you know painting and sculptures, and, and especially with the idea of representation, I'm, I'm kind of curious then if there's almost kind of like a, a notion or, I don't know, an idea that, that these things are, are kind of denying um, what they are, that they're, that they're an illusion. I'm looking back at, at around the, uh, you know, the early stuff on your website here. Um, so, for example, maybe like a depiction of a, a you know, like a, a sandcastle. Um, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Um, some of it... You know, one of the reasons why I guess I got away from that stuff, I guess my interesting take on it, was that I felt that they were becoming too, um, uh, you know, you, you worry sometimes that the work starts to take on this um, almost, I'm not going to say, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, I, I guess it's, it's referential to something that, that it's not, I guess like you're saying. Yeah, um, I, I became I became worried about that. I became worried that it might become uh, too sentimental. I mean, obviously, um, we we try to dig dig for things as artists and as 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 onlookers of art. We dig for things. We want to know why it takes what it's doing. We don't want to take it, you know, just for what it is. Sometimes, and for like the sandcastle, um, I was really interested in that particular sandcastle. The subject of that, interestingly enough, is the Walt Disney castle. 
Um, I forget the guy's name who actually the, the original the, the originator of that castle in Germany somewhere, which is an unfinished castle. Um, and it sort of was very interesting to me that that particular castle was something that Disney took on because it had this you know utopic ideal, when in fact it was a mishmash of different you know um, heritages and um, different architectural elements. Yet it was something that remained completely unfinished. It was a dream that this particular, um, I guess, emperor, king, or soon, soon to be king at the time, who became king, went mad, didn't finish it, um, had this crazy dream of what is going to be this, the biggest thing in the world to him, and it became this other thing in a weird way. And I like the idea of Sandcastle just doing that, you know, in, in our own sort of memories of what, what it does, in our observations of what it does, it's something that never actually comes to be, it's always falling apart or, or something like that. And so when I was doing these paintings, like with materials like with sand and stones, and, or that particular stone to subjects like rocks, I was really interested in nature or these sort of ephemeral materials and making them into, um, I was thinking of them more in terms of like a, a monument to uh, a, fixed, a, a fixed monument, and that became really interesting to me, not like a photograph but a material that in itself was fixed on the canvas or in a sculpture. And so like the sculptural rocks, those things were actually materials gathered from, at that time, my studio, um, debris like that, rolled up inside so they became these weird sort of time capsules that I yet to open up. I should hmm. open those up someday. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you'll have to have like an opening just for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, and it's interesting because, you know, and, and again, I, I think that, you know, we can kind of talk a, about a number of this work in between and, and kind of maybe explore this idea of how that relates to, you know, to what, what it is that you do now. Um, mm-hmm. But I think you kind of shed a little bit of light, too, on also the, the type of, of research, or at least, um, you know, what artists like to think of as research is just, I think, a lot of times just things that we wind up, um, you know, almost daydreaming about or you know, kind of getting lost in or, or just kind of becoming obsessed with. Um, and I don't know, what kind of what kind of methods do you kind of use then in terms of then research and, and kind of getting invested in, into a new piece? I mean, is there any particular thing that sets you off or how does that work? Sometimes it's like a flash where something just sort of comes into, just, top, just pops in, kind of stumbles into my brain. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes... It's something that, if, it depends on, I guess it depends on the studio, you know, it depends on what's happening in the studio, if there's an agenda in the studio, if, you know, if there's a show coming up, um, if there's a blank wall that needs to be filled, sometimes there's that, and other times it's, um, for example, like the newer work, it's really material-based driven, so um, I became, I forget when it happened, I don't really keep tabs a lot of these things, but what happened for me with the image-based work, the representational-based work, was that um, I became sort of questionable about the notion of the author um, and about, like you were saying, assuming that you know what the audience should know or what doesn't, what they don't know. And um, I didn't want to be so much the judge and jury between those paintings. And so, you know, it's a fine line because you know, from coming from someone who's very tuned to sort of observational, this idea of looking as a painter and looking at my, my sort of media surroundings and wondering if those things could become part of my cachet and then actually painting those things 
um, is one thing, but then allowing sort of materials that sort of inform the, the process or the painting itself or the sculpture, um, when those sort of take precedence and they, I sort of step outside of that, you know. Um, and so for, for, for me right now, um, my, I guess my process is, is not coming at it with such a blank, pardon the phrase, like a blank canvas. I don't, I, I don't like that idea very much. I, I find it to be so open-ended um, that nothing that so open-ended that anything that artists can sort of put on it becomes extremely subjective. And, um, and, and, and the, for me, it becomes dangerous because I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. You know, uh, and I have to step outside that sometimes. Sure, sure. Well, and and it seems to me that too that um, you know, and, and kind of readdressing, I don't know, this kind of shift or you know, this transition. It seems to me too, because because I think we kind of talked a little bit about almost the, to me. It, it seems almost like there's like a almost like a nostalgia in some of the earlier work that just kind of seems to become I don't know, just a, a little bit like it's turned into a different path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, especially like when I when I start seeing um, you know a lot of these references that you have um, in terms of some of the works, you know, cauldrons and moons, and um, you know, uh, as as they're kind of working up towards the 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 newer stuff. I mean, it seems like then there's this level of almost like a, a folklore or mythology. Um, is any of that right, or am I just completely making this up? Uh, you're dead on with the folklore. Um, it's, it's, you know, early on, I was very interested in this idea of mythology, personal mythology, not just mythology in general, but of creating one's own personal mythology. I think I think all artists do that, um, like it or not. I think it's something that's sort of inherited, and um, it just comes to the territory. The work starts to take on its own sort of just um, the subject, the process, the materials. All those, you know, it's like it's like the Abex guys, you know, all that mythology, that personal mythology that was around them back in those days, and it sort of becomes part of the, the work. And in in regards to that early stuff that I was doing, not to compare myself to Abex guys, of course, but the cauldrons and those things like that, you know, I was, you know, something like I said, looking at like something that was immediately surrounding me, you know, and and interested in this idea of, I should say, this idea of the personal mythology sort of crosses paths with the cultural one. I always think that's pretty interesting too, because we all are we all sort of understand that. Um, Halloween is always, you know, prevalent in our lives, our memories, something like that, and witches and all those crazy things. And um, that actual cauldron came from a painting that I was really interested in. Um, it was uh, uh, I forget now no, you know, I forget, but um, I'll think about it later. But it, <laughs> it was another reference to um, some Flemish paintings that I was very interested in. So, uh, thinking off track here, yes, person mythology was it, folklore was it, and the newer stuff it still involves that, but in a direction that is uh, abstract, in that um, I didn't want to become so self-referential to like a stick or a stone as being this sort of mythological thing, but more of an event or situation or memory or something like a flash of light, um, that becoming a, a mythology too. Uh, and I think that's that's inherently inter- interesting part of painting, as one can represent something, so as a thought, you know, or a memory. That's what's so interesting to me about the work. And one of the things that I really like is just the way that there really 
isn't, you know, one particular way of, of, of kind of framing it. And you're kind of looking at all these things, not just based on what they are as a material, but then also what they might also be able to elicit as a material. You're kind of pulling these things that we maybe don't always come across and kind of putting them into a context that, that they're, you know, now they're here, but then they're also, I think there's also a level of kind of recognizing that, you know, that they're not, um, you know, what they're meant to be. And I think that maybe that's kind of something that's getting at to what I was saying earlier. You know, if I look at this piece where you're, that's called quicksand, for whatever reason, it seems like an important transition to me because you're not, you're not really like looking at anything that's kind of nostalgic. You're kind of looking at this, this, this thing that again, I, I've never come across quicksand. Um, mm-hmm. but there's also this recognition in it that's very, um, that's very playful as well. And so, I mean, is there, is there a balance then too, in terms of then deciding, you know, how, how literal something can be? That was the packaging tape piece, the, the, the sculptural, sculptural piece, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I've had people say that my work is, um, they feel as if it's, it's just, um, like right or left off center. Sometimes they think, um, they come across it and it, it is immediately recognizable, immediately sort of, um, uh, uh, it conjures up some, some sort of memory, but then there's something, uh, something about it, like you're saying, it falls away. It, it, it becomes trans- transformative, I guess. Um, and that's something, um, I'm very interested in and it's something that I don't try to be deliberate about. I don't, I think when, when you try it and you push it into, into something that it's not, I think that's when it, you get in a lot of troubles. So, a lot of times, you know, like in the studio, it's really um, about, I guess, the playfulness comes through um, for what you're seeing in the material sort of exploration. So like packaging tape um, and certainly newer work, last string and sticks and uh, a lot of surface um, investigations of paper. And for me, I'm not, you know, a lot of times I'm not too sure what the outcome is like. And so maybe that's what's happening. Maybe it's coming across or I'll have a clear idea or agenda. But the material sort of takes on its own thing sometimes. Maybe, sure. that, maybe that's it. No, I, th- I think that makes sense. And, and you know, it, it strikes me to start asking you really odd questions. Like, yeah. for example, <laughs> are there – so are there pieces then that you can – you kind of get that spark like you were talking about, you know? Um, you get the spark to kind of make this piece, and it just comes together super, super quickly. Um are there also pieces then I would imagine then that, that are the opposite? Does it work like that? Or is it always kind of, um, you know, something that you arrive at or, I, I mean, are, are there things that you really wind up then having to kind of reinvestigate and reinvestigate to get to work? Or is there, you know, um, more or less a, a good, a good kind of uh, production method that you have? Cause again, you, you have your, it's interesting because you can really see that when you're, when you're looking over the, these bodies of works, there's there's times where you might then just go into a completely different direction, or at least what visually appears to it, no, being an outsider. Um, mm-hmm. So are there things then that come really easily and then stuff that comes really difficult? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, I think it depends. Um, I guess to looking at sort of different paths in my life and at the time I was doing things, for example, like all the stuff with the on rock canvas, all those paintings um, where I had a clear agenda. It was a time in my life where um, my studio was uh, separate. I just had a, my kid was just born, and so I had um, 
I was I had a very deliberate intention of what the work should be about. So for me, that came re really quickly. Um, I, you know, I went to the studio with a cachet of sort of ideas, observations, personal memories, all these things, um, and I set forth to put them on canvas. Um, when it, it comes to other things like um, the material stuff that's happening more and more, it, it's a little more tricky because again, I I, I don't know what's going to happen. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff gets scrapped. Um, a lot of things that, that don't happen. A lot of things I, I like to sit with um, for a while. Um, one good thing I'm, I'm, I'm discovering, and something I haven't done in a long time, is that you know if you have a, a good amount of stuff happening in the studio at once, you can sit with it, you can experience it. Uh, um, it can sort of fall away um, after six months, and, um, and sometimes it's, it's dangerous. You're going to put into show too quickly. I found out, you know, and so. Those things that I'm, I'm living with, I'm finding that they become a little more difficult to accept in some regards, and sometimes they, they, they sort of solidify the idea. And so, yeah, I think, to answer your question, I think more or less the materials are um, are pushing my, my degree of, of comfort zone, and I like that a, lot, a great deal. Well, and just to have some fun with it, could you, could you tell me... Um... Well, first of all, I want to—I definitely want like a horror story of something that just didn't work out. But then, <laughs> uh, following that up, I mean, are, are there materials then that that you? I mean, what's the strange? What are some of the strangest things that I guess you've managed to be able to to use, or even has there been a material that maybe you were were starting out with, thinking like this is totally not working, and then you you figure you figure out a way, and, and you wind up falling in love with it. Well, early on, I, I was I was messing around with um, electrical fence with actual electrical transformers, and I got a really nasty shock. <laughs> that was a painting, believe it or not, <laughs> in school. So, yeah, that failed miserably. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, you know, interesting, um, one of the things that I find that I'm sort of gravitating to different materials, like stranium sticks and these sort of um, surface explorations is that you know, painting on canvas with a brush is extremely, extremely hard. Um, and that's something that I've, I've pushed and pushed all my life, pushed paint all my life, and, you know, all my life being 30 years now, painting going on already. And, um, you know, I've scrapped a lot of canvases. I've burned a lot of things. I've, I've literally thrown them out of four-story windows. You know, um, it's been bad. Some of them really, they, they can push, they can push a level. And, you know, there's also a time, you know, I was younger and you didn't know what was going on, but I don't have too many too many bad horror stories about recent work, unfortunately, except a flood that I recently had that destroyed a lot of work that nothing good came out of that. I was hoping I could find some great watercolor that, you know, got, got swept away and made into something else, but it didn't, unfortunately. Well, you know, and this will be a strange little segue here, but... Um you know, in the I want to say in the early part of spring or maybe the late part of spring, I interviewed um, um, an artist, uh, Don Kimes, about something that that happened very similar, and it was a really interesting process because he he lost everything, like everything, all these photographs, all these pieces of artwork, and it really seemed to kind of you know re, you know what I mean shake that that foundation. And um, one of the things that was interesting is the way that he managed to kind of uh, start combining some of those things into into newer pieces recently, and even kind of um, you know working over the tops of things. But you know, I, I can't imagine losing everything. You know. Yeah, 
And again, yes. maybe maybe a little bit of a tangent, but um, we we certainly do grow attached to uh, the things that we make. Yeah, we do. We do, and it's it's interesting because I think it it tests our sentimentality <laughs> to a great degree, and 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 are we ready to, to depart with these things? And I also think I don't know about you, but a lot a lot of times I think I figure the great thing about being a painter is that you can just unload these things, and you can um, it gives you literally space to make new things, but also it gives you mental space as well to create uh, something else that that maybe you forgot. I mean, I, I think I did a while back ago, I remember I did a couple pieces and I wanted to try to recreate them again um, just because they were gone. I sold them and whatever happened. And it became a, a sort of a test for myself. Um, that, that failed actually miserably. Hmm. <laughs> it just didn't happen, you know. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's always a struggle, you know. I mean, I don't know. Um, I was, and again, we're getting tangential here, and, and I enjoy it. So, whatever. I was, I was talking also with, with again, Bob uh, earlier, um, just about the difficulty with um, people kind of making requests for you to to make something. Is that? And again, this is very random, and we'll get kind of back uh, back on track in a second. But has anyone ever kind of tried to commission you for something that you have no idea how to make? Or <laughs> no, I never. The only request I got was to make a toolbox. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to make it. But I haven't made it yet. No, no requests. Um, I wish my top ten requests would be awesome. <laughs> and and so so one of the things that I, I guess you know as, as we're kind of moving towards more more I guess uh, more of the I don't know more of the that middle side or the more of that current work too. Um, one of the other things that I kind of wanted to ask about too, then in terms of materials is. You know, how much of them are, are materials that you wind up finding versus um, buying or, or maybe substituting? Because it seems like then, you know, some of them are constructed through um, a means that are supposed to elicit a certain material, but they're, you know, they're made out of something artificial or, you know, um, just things that you have scrap lying around the studio. Um, do, you, do you ever use uh, found objects then as well as, as, as a way to make work, or is it always stuff that you're... You're kind of crafting. Um, some of it, some of it is um, found. A lot of the times in the studio, when, when I want something to happen pretty quickly, it's it's sort of recycling old materials back into stuff. I've I've always sort of done that, and even when I was in grad school, uh, like I said, like the rocks, um, and then then actually the the tapes that I was using the rocks were the tapes used to mask off the paintings themselves. So um, that became a sort of integrated process for myself. Um, it, it's interesting because I think I started to, uh, you know, when you initially, when you start messing around with the found materials, then that becomes a sort of inherent history to the piece. And it, it becomes a question, do you want that? Do you want that history to be a part of it? And if it, if it does, you know, it, I think it, it has a significant amount of impact in how, you know, we perceive it, either a painting or a sculpture or installation or even drawings. And so... Uh, at, at times, I, I, I question that, and um, I also question about the at what point do you just define or do you, do you decide that you know this much of a of a of a stick or a, a tattered something gets thrown in, and, and when do you start to sort of play with it, fidget with it, and when do you when do you lose that spontaneity, and when does that found object sort of lose its inherentness? And there's other times where I do go out and get the materials because, uh, for whatever reason, I feel that those are constructed materials and you're constructing a painting. 
and uh, it makes perfect sense to me to sort of play with those things as well. Well, and again, it's it's uh, it's just interesting because you know there's so there's so much work. First of all, so again, I, I keep throwing this out there, but everyone needs to go to capernacus.com uh, and, and check some of this stuff out just because there's so much of it. But well, and so much of it that's good, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting because you know, as you start to kind of move towards, um, you know, more of the more of the recent work again, I, I think there's a this weird um, yet like I don't know, very relevant relationship between those levels of abstraction and then also, you know, I guess I kind of I, I guess I address it as folklore because there's certain things in there that um, that elicit that for me, but it's it's not always like that, you know. But I, I think. Um, and again, because I'm looking at, you know, stuff that's back a couple of years now, but, you know, um, where you're making things like arrowheads or, you know, igloos or, um, you know, these these kind of images where they're almost kind of like, again, all about material like this, this for example, this piece, Snow Castle, which is all, you know, uh, enamel paint, um, all white enamel paint, but you're kind of building up like a, I don't know, like a surface to it to be able to see that, that representation that... that you know, maybe it was very direct earlier. Um, and I guess maybe I'm, I'm screwing up in that there's not a, a, a great question here, but um, how, how does that transition work, I guess, as, as you're approaching more of the current work then, where you, where again, I mean, it seems like there's um, there's still a, in a way, there's almost like a, a level of representation that's more, more real to me than um, some of the earlier stuff. Oh, that's or, interesting. Um, it's really interesting you say that. I'm glad you said that. Uh, I, the thing I became sort of really invest, invested in is that when you start when you start dealing with imagery or forms that are inherent to our thinking or way we perceive through sort of the, the generic way of saying you know, the, the banality of it all, like like an igloo or what we know as an igloo as we see it, this this, this representational form. Um, it becomes to me uh, uh, you start to wonder about start to wonder about the immediacy of, of that of that to yourself and that is it significantly real is it an artifice obviously it's an artifice not like most everything is artifice I think but I do um, as object makers I think we tend to think that way as well not everybody but maybe some um, and I became sort of interested in this the sense of a moment. Or situation because that to me is extremely real. It's something that's so fleeting um, that you 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 possess, you possess it just for that moment. And with regards to the the igloo and the paint, um, and you're right. You know, I was interested in that idea of, of trying to tether in this memory or the fragments of a memory. Um, and for this recent work, I, I kind of threw that out. Um, I didn't want I didn't want didn't want to become referential to um, a particular uh, thing or image. I wanted the, the, the sort of adventure situation to unfold. And maybe that's what's sort of occurring. It'd be nice, um, but that's sort of occurring in the background of the work. You know, the work becomes sort of demarcating sort of that moment, or a color demarcates that moment, or the form demarcates that moment. Whereas less, you know, less and less about the sort of idea of what we know of that image or what we see of something. 
Yeah, no, and I, I think that totally makes sense. And I, I think also because some of the materials that you wind up using then to, to depict them really kind of deny what you would typically associate with them, you know. Um, you know, and even something that's maybe uh, just a couple of years old then, um, you know, are, are a lot of these kind of black-on-black paintings or, you know, monochromatic paintings with, um, you know, with string or with sticks, because um, you, you you kind of elicit that feeling, but even now then it's it's less it's less overt. You know, it kind of it, I think it kind of fits in what you're kind of describing a little bit, and then then it becomes really more about the materials then too. Right. Yeah. Um, I've, I've become really interested in this idea where where materials inform the subject. Um, at the same time, the subject becomes the process. Not all. Not always hand in hand. But I think that there's a fluidity that can occur when you allow that sort of thing happen. And I think for me, that's when more of it, uh, the process itself becomes the abstract becomes becomes investigated in what the abstraction is. And then coupled with that, you know, the subject being a moment, uh, uh, a flash of green light, or um, flesh, uh, idea of flesh or skin or something like that. The idea of something, something that we know as, or a memory of something we know as becoming. That is equally interested in it as being abstract notion. But yeah, um, the, I think the material is something that um, informs the subject more and more so. And it's interesting for me because it, it you know, like string and sticks have their own parameters. You, you can only do so much with that stuff. And it's nice because it, 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 it sort of it exposes itself and it gives itself to what it, what it can and can't do. It keeps myself in checks and balances, I think, more than anything. Yeah, yeah, and, and and again, I think too, it it, it seems to move. Um, I don't know, like it seems to move in a way, especially like if if, you, if we're looking at the most current stuff, um, you know, it seems to again move move away then from that that direct depiction, and 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 I guess in a way, kind of also really kind of allows, you know, more of that um, that ambiguity or or more of an openness in terms of the way that someone might might receive them or relate to them. Yeah, you know, I, I was, I've always been sort of interested in that. You know, even in, in grad school, you would hear people saying, you know, you know, you can't, you can't expect us to think that way. You know, you can't expect us to, to, um, to perceive it this way. You have to, you know, leave an open-ended situation for people to access. And, uh, um, you know, that's always been in the back of my head. And I, I think it's a really I mean, one thing I feel like I'm going back to my roots in a very way with abstraction, and, it, and of course in different sort of contexts with these forms and these colors and the shaped canvases and whatnot. Um, for me, they, they, they do just that. I think, you know, I think it's important that the work d- defines itself. Because, you know, you're never going to be there to talk about your work. You know, the work has to define its own self. And you hope that it, I hope for myself, that it happens in the studio, that something some, some sort of dialogue occurs that I wasn't aware of at all. And I became, I, I feel like I'm no longer the, the judge and jury, but I become like a, a, an a, accomplice, you know, or maybe one of the jurors. Right. You know? Well, and, you know, I think the other thing that strikes me too then is that, is that when you get in a room full of these, and again, I've been, I've been to, you know, a, a handful of your shows, um, you know, is, is the way that then the, the different works start to reinforce these different ideas. And I think because of that, and kind of seeing them in relationship with each other, then you start to really, um, I don't know, start to stretch out or start to kind of get a feel for, for ways to think about the other ones that seem maybe 
I don't know, a bit, a bit more challenging or a bit more, um, I don't know, difficult to get into at first. And, and again, I'm saying this in a, you know, not difficult in the way that like I would, <laughs> that I'd drag my feet and be pouty no, I mean, or something it, in an opening, but you know what I mean? No, but no, I mean, I think that's what we all, I mean, I don't know about, you know, I think, I can't say, speak for everybody, but for me, you know, it's like, that's how, that's how life works, you know? Yeah. There's some things that just hit you in the face and it becomes, it, you, you can digest it all at once and there's other things that are completely, they don't. And, you know, life doesn't, life isn't straightforward, you know? Life, life is really bizarre and it does these strange things. And that they, it, it exposes itself in ways that we're not sure. And sometimes I think as painters, our, our role is to maybe, or an object, I actually say as artists, as object makers for myself, um, we look at the things in which um, may rear itself its ugly head sometimes. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's as obvious as the, the, what's right in front of us. But, you know, uh, who am I to say? Sure. <laughs> well, and, you know, to get... Uh, I, I'm just curious then, so do you... What, what are the typical kind of responses that you might get from, from viewers? Or maybe what's an interesting response that you've gotten that, you know, was surprising or anything like that? Um, surprising. Oh, a lot of it, uh, sometimes they're really surprising is when um, some formal elements start to show through. For example, I, um, in my recent show at Six Five Grand, I had a black sculpture on the ground. Um, and that... When I did that, I was thinking in regards to a, uh, a painting of a black ship that I did earlier, like the year before, and uh, people caught right onto that um, almost immediately. And I was really sort of, um, it sort of floored me because, you know, uh, it, does, it does pay reference to it, um, but also for me, um, what took precedent wasn't the ship, it was something much more sort of ominous. And uh, it just sort of, I don't know, it just blows my mind when these sort of things occur, when people can make these, you know, these, these connections to the work, and you may not even know it yourself sometimes, and yet uh, they add some, some sort of clarity to it, you know? Um, yeah, I like that a great deal. Well, and it sounds like then it's, it's, uh, it's fitting with that idea of kind of almost creating your, your, own, um, your own mythology or your own way of kind of talking about these things you know it's it's very much like then a, a lineage of all all of what you make and and i guess you know those that follow with them mm-hmm. i mean i don't know i mean I, I something i've always been sort of interested in because my work i have always felt that my work doesn't follow a sort of formulaic progression of things um and maybe some people say, say the opposite of that i've always thought i've always thought that you need to throw a wrench in the work sometimes because it you can sort of make the same mistakes twice and you don't know it. You get comfortable doing it. And so for me, I like to do sort of things, keep things in checks and balances. And I think I'm throwing a big enough wrench, maybe not a big enough wrench. And then I wonder about that, the lineage, the history of the piece. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's inherent. Whatever we do from start to finish, from, we, from the day we start painting to the end of it, if we're fortunate to, to paint that long, whatever, um, that, that's a history, right? And it's a bit there. Um, I don't, sometimes I wonder, should, should I track it, you know, should this something I should be more aware of? Not that I'm not, but, you know, I'm just sort of getting back and saying, yeah, what happens if I start to reinvestigate into subjects I did in the past and sort of bring those back into the present, but with a different, I don't know, uh, observation of things. I don't know, it's a curious, curious question. I find interesting to look at other artists' work, you know, this trajectory of their life and their materials and their, 
their subject, and some of it changes radically, some of it doesn't doesn't change at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because you know at the same time I I notice, and again I'm I'm not um, I'm not necessarily the the oldest person in the world or anything, but you know as as I am getting older, the way that I start seeing things moving in in circles or in cycles or you know becoming kind of reinterested in something that I kind of had forgotten. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's, I don't know, I think it's hard to get necessarily away from that. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, it's really difficult. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, well, it's just, um, you know, you, I, um, I don't know, some things you just wind up becoming fascinated with, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe, you know, just one, um, one nice little tangential thing. Um, I'm curious if, if, if you're, for some reason, like a, a giant sci-fi fan or something. Uh, depends on the sci-fi, <laughs> or like or like bad horror movies or something. I, I, uh, yeah, you know, I grew up. I grew up watching horror movies. I mean, I was a, when I was a teenager, I saw them all. You know, I, I was addicted to them. And then I think when I, as sci-fi, I was interested, but I was more interested in sort of the obscure sci-fi stuff that isn't really kitschy, but more like you know, um, like Stalker, <laughs> the Russian stuff, and. Um, uh, Chris Marker's Le Jeté, you know, that kind of sci-fi where it, it rides a weird, weird level between um, nostalgia and the future, yet it still sort of remains sort of in the present in a weird way. Yeah. So the last thing that I was going to ask you, though, is, is you know, what, what what's in the future? What do we have coming up? Do you have um, exhibitions coming up that, that, you, that you're making work for, or is there any kind of new things going on in the studio that, that you're excited about? Um, not having a, a, I don't have a, a solid talent show right now, yet as, as of this year, um, I am going to be a part of a show at Don State, as you, um, that I'm really excited about that actually is with uh, Bob Jones and uh, Bill Conger and a number of other people. Um, so that's, I think that's happening in February. i got to figure that out again. But um, that's going to be hopefully a traveling show from what I gather. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, I'm going to be part of that. And um, I, I just got in touch with a, a friend of mine in, um, in New York, um, and so he's trying to get together um, a group of artists to show sort of abroad and not so much like Europe or anything. Maybe Europe, I don't know. He hasn't taught too, too many details, but um, you know, both both uh, green spaces and commercial based spaces. But uh, um, we'll see how that goes. It's um, it's the order of the black mark, so it's uh, it's pretty. Um, pretty interesting stuff. It's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. So we'll see how that sort of manifests itself in the next couple months to a year here. So hopefully be long-term. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks again for uh, chatting with me tonight. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Brian for joining us today. Once again, you can go and visit Capernacus.com to find out more about his work and see a bunch of it. Again, he just updated his website. Tons of stuff to look at. So do him a favor. Go check it out. Leave him some feedback. Say hello. 
As always, this is Studio Break, and if it's the first time that you're listening to Studio Break, remember we have the Studio Break blog where you can subscribe, so please go ahead and do that. But remember, we've got over 40 full-length episodes. Each of them have slideshows and links to the iTunes store or direct links to the MP3 that you can just download and throw on a device. Once again, we'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe to us in iTunes and leave us some feedback. It's also a very convenient and easy way to listen. All right, you enjoy listening to the slow buildup of an artist's career, talking about all the trials and tribulations. Well, you can also see previews of upcoming artists and other goodies by going to Facebook's Studio Break page. So please check us out and like us there. Once again, we provide a number of updates of past and future guests, share work and announcements and all that sort of thing. And once again, you can also follow us on Twitter at Studio Break. So please go ahead and do that. And it's very similar. Again, just another place to provide your fix for Studio Break. If you happen to be looking for a free source of music, as we do on this podcast, we visit freemusicarchive.org. Once again, there are thousands of different songs that you can look for. So if you like going to record stores and throwing on some headphones and checking some things out, again, you can search by genre. You can look at editor's picks. There's all sorts of ways to look through and examine it. And once again, full albums that you can just download. So if you're looking for new music and you got a lot of time, I highly recommend going to check it out. We have one featured artist today, Pierlo, and our intro song, BMX Hero, and taking us out is Barbarian. We do have a bit of a break from reporting any awesome shows that are going on. As you know, we did have Tall Tales open last week, so if you didn't get a chance to check that out, maybe you live in Antarctica and maybe the flight was too expensive, you can go to Facebook studio break page and check out the album there there's a bunch of different photos and documentation of the work so we would love it if you went and check that out and also there is a highlight episode for it highlight episode four which was out last week so if you missed that and you want to hear the artists talk about their work we highly recommend that you go ahead and check that out once again violet pope projects is a friend of ours along with best friends gallery and they also had an exhibition last week with plenty of documentation so please go to violet pope projects on facebook to check out images from that show as well all right as always if you want to know more about me please just go to davidlinaway.com where you can see a bunch of different paintings that are up that's what i do i do a lot of painting as well as produces podcast. So please go ahead and check me out there. Once again, we would really enjoy it and love it and appreciate it. And thank you, thank you, thank you. If you could share this podcast, again, there are a variety of ways on Facebook, on iTunes, on Twitter. So please go ahead and share it with other folks. And remember, in no time at all, this can be like the Blair Witch Project, where you'll be in a coffee shop and people will wonder, Is, are these podcasts real? Yes, they are, everyone. Once again, we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you real soon, everyone. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.